Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 podcast. I'm Missy Stevens, Mom and Dot 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 writer, foster care advocate, and today, lady with band aids on her head and neck. I will explain that in the Look, Listen, Learn. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know what? Maybe this will increase our viewership at our YouTube channel. <laughs> you can, <laughs> People you can come, come check the it wounds. out. <laughs> and I'm Suzanne Kearns. I'm a mom and dot, dot, dot writer, LGBTQ and sex ed advocate. And today I am a news interview rambler. Do not ask me to come on a TV station and talk about the importance of comprehensive sex ed unless you want an earful. So, so sorry to the uh, viewers of KXAN. <laughs> no, they're getting good information. Yes. We are happy, happy, happy today to welcome Alicia Fernandez Miranda, a Miami-born, Scotland-based writer, entrepreneur, ex-CEO, and mom of twins. Her memoir will be published by Zibby Books in 2023. It details her year of unpaid internships and the dream jobs of her childhood. Alicia is the ex-CEO and current chair at IG Advisors an award-winning social impact intelligence agency that consults the world's biggest nonprofits, companies, and foundations. When she's not interning or in the middle of yet another lockdown, Alicia loves to travel, watch Gilmore Girls, and be served coffee in bed by her adoring slash long-suffering husband. <laughs> I love that. And hide from her 10-year-old twins when they want to play Pokemon. Her writing has been published in Romper, Grazia, Moms Don't Have Time to Write, Huffington Post, Herstory, and Waterproof, an anthology published in 2021. And I think there's even more. So Ooh, welcome. Awesome. It's nice when other people read it. You're like, oh, oh, I did do that. that <laughs> nice? Look at me. We yeah. often say that everybody in the world should have someone come and start their day by just reading their bio to them. Yeah. And they'd be like, yeah, I am a badass. Like, that's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I mean, that bio is amazing. And we're so excited to hear about all the things. And we usually actually have people start with a one-on-one about themselves, about just more of their career trajectory. But since your book dives into your childhood dreams of what your career would be. Let's start there. Like, what were you like as a kid? what did you want to be when you grew up? And oh my gosh. And how's it gotten to where you are today? That's such a great question. And thank you both so much for inviting me to be on. I am relatively new to the podcast world. And so this just was like the most exciting thing and part of my week. So thank Yay. you. I'm so thrilled to be here. Oh. Um, thank you for being here. Yes. Um, so let's see. When I was in kindergarten, I wanted to be president. I had a picture of Ronald Reagan. Sorry, he was president when I was five <laughs> yeah, up on right. my wall. And um, I was like really sure that that's what I wanted to be. But then I don't know. I think uh, those dreams faded a bit to the side. And then like a lot of kids, I had a succession of many, many careers that I dreamt about. I wanted to be a whale trainer at the Miami Seaquarium. Oh, uh, <laughs> a job I thought would be amazing. Uh, I wanted to be a magazine journalist. That one I thought was going to stick for a while and I actually did my first internship when I was 17 at Ocean Drive magazine in Miami, where I was promptly disabused of all notions of the glamour of magazine journalism. And so <laughs> right, yeah. took a different took a different path. Um, 
And then I kind of fell into what I spent most of my career in, which is corporate philanthropy consulting and then more broadly philanthropy consulting by a chance encounter at a bar in New York with a girlfriend I went to college with. I studied women's studies and gender studies in my undergrad. I did a semester abroad in London. I became uh, obsessed with living overseas. I loved the UK. And so when I graduated college, my career decisions were all based on how quickly I could get a visa in order to stay. And so I came and did a master's, which was going to give me a whole year and then maybe some after. And uh, I ended up through a fortuitous set of circumstances. I fell in love with my long-suffering husband at that point. <laughs> he couldn't get a visa. We moved to New York together and I was working um, in a strategy consulting job, like business strategy, working for pharmaceutical companies. Didn't love it. Ran into this girl at a bar and she said, I do this thing called corporate philanthropy consulting where companies who have tens of millions of dollars in their foundations need to figure out where to give their money to. And they hire us to tell them where they should put their money. And I was like, well, that job sounds amazing. That does sound amazing. How do you do that? Yes. <laughs> How do you do that? And she said, oh, well, come in and meet the team and, you know, see if they like you. So I ended up uh, working there for several years. And that really set me on the path where I spent most of my career. I stayed there for a while, finally convinced my husband, who was my boyfriend, to marry me. Then we only <laughs> needed one visa to get back to the UK and the other yeah. person could be the dependent. Moved back overseas, uh, went in-house at a couple of large companies, uh, so managing their own corporate philanthropy programs, all of them had a real kind of gender and women and girls focus, which was the link to my background and degree. And then joined IG Advisors, which was a company that my husband had set up in 2011. Uh, I had always been moonlighting as their like accountant, a COO, sending the invoices, silently consulting on some work. And I joined that family business in 2015 and then took over as CEO in 2017 and was doing that day in, day out raising the kids and sort of had like a midlife crisis, even though I don't think I'm quite midlife yet. Um, and just sort of was really, really desperate to try something else. And so the internship idea was born out of that and has sent me in an entirely different direction. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it all. It's so amazing. And you touched on this a little bit, but we have to talk about a little bit more you're getting to live abroad because we both on the regular say we're out of here if things do not get their act together. <laughs> um, I don't know how I'm going to move like my entire family and support system with me, but that's my plan as we're getting out of here. So we just kind of want to live vicarious through you and vicariously through you. And we know how you made that decision originally, but if anybody is considering that move now, what advice do you have for them? It's really funny. So first of all, my mother has on her phone at any given time, like the equivalent of Zillow in every European country imaginable. So she's constantly, there was like some deal for a while where you could buy a house in Tuscany in this village where like a lot of people had left for a dollar or something like that. And then yes. you, have, you of course had to rebuild the house. And my mother was all about this for like six months was going to buy this dollar house in yeah. Tuscany. Um, and my best friend from high school is actually has been calling me saying, I want to move to London. My cousin is moving to Spain for a couple of years with her young kids, just picking up and moving. So I think... I, I think part of it is the ongoing political situation, a lot of what's happening in the U.S. And I think yep. part of it is the pandemic and people just feeling like, what, what am I waiting for? Like, if this is something I right. wanted to do, let's go do it. Now's yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, 
So I moved a long time ago now. I was very lucky in that the UK had a program at the time called the Highly Skilled Migrant Program, which no longer exists, but it was sort of Mm. a special points-based system where you didn't need a job offer, but you were able to come to the UK if you met a certain set of criteria with a three-year working visa. And, you know, you had to sort of promise you were not going to claim benefits or things like that. Um, And so I got in under the wire. By the time it was time to renew our visa, that program was gone. And then they sort of grandfathered us into a different program. And by the time that one was done, we had been here long enough to um, get permanent residency and then eventually citizenship. But my advice would be that it is not impossible to do, but it definitely takes some legwork. So um, saying you want to go anywhere is amazing, but actually thinking practically where you want to go, even narrowing down to a few countries and then really starting to dig into what your options would be for a short stay. You know, you can you can come and move to the UK uh, and most places in Europe for six months on a tourist visa. You can't work while you're here, but, you know, there are there are lots of uh, shorter term sort of broad stints that you could do. And then for longer term, I would just say, really do your research. There are all sorts of random loopholes in a lot of countries' visas programs. Spain, for example, has a program where if you are, uh, if you have an ancestor from a certain list of countries that were like former Spanish colonies, you can get a shorter path to citizenship by coming in that way. Hmm. So there's all kinds, well, I mean, write it down. Uh, Portugal, (laughs) Portugal has like a, there's certain, if you invest money, if you have like money to invest or you buy a property, they have like a golden visa scheme for some people to come over and do that. So there are lots of weird loopholes. It is not for the faint of heart. There are a kajillion forms. They want to know everything, the name of your third grade teacher, the copy of your last dental records, like every trip you've ever taken. So, you know, be prepared if you're going to make a big move like that. But you know, one of the best decisions I ever made. It was, I, I love, I love living in the UK. I'm in Scotland now, no longer in England, but you know, I, st- I still get that thrill of being yeah. somewhere different, being somewhere foreign. I love that pre-pandemic and hopefully soon again, you know, I could get on the train and go to Paris for lunch right. and come back. I've actually done that before, you know, like Ugh. gotten on the train in the morning, gone to Paris with some girlfriends, had lunch, shopped for shoes, come back at night. That's amazing. Oh, okay, it's getting even more, and more tempting. Uh-huh. I know I got to get Zoe to explore some more colleges over there. We're doing college search for our daughter right now. <laughs> oh, how like, fun! Hmm, where can we get you? <laughs> well, oh, a gosh. UK university is only three years, so already you save some money that way. That's a good point. Oh. Yeah, and the cost of the university is even less. But okay, true. I know we could just have a whole uh, <laughs> conversation. I know. I really would like to. I'm like to writing it down that that would. Be Let me fun... also just say I'm like not an immigration lawyer, so anybody listening to this. <laughs> Follow right. up with your right. own important research and don't take anything I say at face value. Don't blame Alicia. People are packing their bags right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So we followed your trail, getting you to where you are today and the ex- exciting thing you're doing, your podcast. Once this episode launches, you will have been podcasting officially for two days. Woo-hoo! It launches on March 1st. <laughs> and so you've got your podcast going through the Zibio network. And then you also have your book coming out next year, which we're going to be talking about in a little bit. So how did you get to be part of this Zibby universe? Was it again, sitting at a bar with one of your friends? <laughs> it was um, sitting with a glass of wine on my sofa in the middle of winter lockdown. So there was alcohol involved, which is maybe a, <laughs> an important trend in nice. all the important career decisions in my life. Um, <laughs> I So I, I did these internships. Um, the pandemic sort of 
decided it wanted to get in the way and I refused to let it. Um, I had been writing alongside doing the internships. In part one, I had always loved the idea of writing. I loved writing. I wrote a lot when I was younger. I didn't write for a very long time. And when I had the internship idea, the book idea kind of came along with it and it became a very legitimate reason to say, well, I'm actually going to go move to New York for a month and uh, sweep trash from Broadway actors in rehearsals every day, leave my job and my kids and my husband, but I'm writing a book about it. And then people would be like, oh, well, that's like oh. a perfectly normal thing to do. <laughs> yeah, That sounds like a great reason to do that. So, so there was a lot of reasons for it, but I, I really loved the writing and I was really enjoying writing the book. And I was thinking, actually, I might actually finish this and turn it into a book. Um, mm -hmm. And so I was sitting on my sofa one night, middle of winter lockdown. We spent most of our lockdown on the Isle of Skye, which is far, far northwest Scotland. Very, very remote. Lots of sheep and not not a lot of leaving the house like many people during lockdown. Oh, wow. Yes. And I was uh, kind of looking around at people who write about books and bookstagrammers and all of that. And I came across Zibby's profile on Instagram. And I was like, huh, this woman looks really interesting. Mm -hmm. And then, like, I'm not ashamed to admit, I went to, like, full Instagram stalking mode. <laughs> went through her entire feed. Yep was reading everything she was doing. Uh, you know, she lost some family during the pandemic. She wrote about it so beautifully and mm -hmm. authentically. And I was like, oh my God, this woman is amazing. And I saw that she had this website, Moms Don't Have Time to Write, and that they were accepting essays. And so I thought, well, let me submit something I've been working on about the book. And my uh, one of the internships I did was, which was during lockdown for a retro dance and fitness company. I'm actually wearing their old branding <gasps> shirt today nice. by coincidence. And um, I submitted it. Zibi wrote back immediately. She was like, I love this. We'll publish it. And also, can we chat? So we got on a Zoom call, uh, you know, a couple of weeks later. And she just really, she was, she's just a bright light. She was one of those people who was so generous, so supportive. She said, well, send me, you know, when you're done with your manuscript, send it to me. I'll send it to my agent. I'll send it to my publisher. I'll connect you to a whole bunch of people. And we kind of just went down that path for a little while together. In the meantime, I finished my manuscript. I got representation. I was getting ready to sell the book. I, I published another piece with Moms Don't Have Time to, um, to Write. And uh, in July of last year, as I was preparing to come back to the U.S. for the first time since the pandemic started and see family, I got an email and it was like two lines. And it was like, I'm starting my own publishing company. Have you sold your book to anybody yet? From oh. Zibi. Wow. I was like, what? What? Like, this does not happen. Like, surely this doesn't happen to real life. I mean, oh I, queried, I queried 41 agents. So I was used to the sting of rejection. Yes. <laughs> so I just sort of assumed that it would be the same thing. Like, maybe somebody one day would be interested in my manuscript. And so I, I still kind of feel like Cinderella. Like, you know, she uh, she just, she loved the book. She I sent over the manuscript. She loved it. She was still building up the team at the time. So it took a few months to kind of work everything out and discuss the announcement. And then I got to be part of this incredible ecosystem she's built of authors and podcasters and just people who love books. Um, and it's, it's just been so much fun. It is so amazing. I admire her because she is a bright light and she just has these ideas and makes them happen. And I love that. Yeah. We're having, we're having the opportunity to interview her in a couple of weeks. You'll love it. You'll love it. She's like unfiltered. I had her on my podcast. She's I think going to be the third episode. Um, and, you know, she she just really is. And she's extremely entrepreneurial, like she hustles and, you know, going with a startup publishing house for my first book. I've invested a lot of time in this book. I've changed my entire career. You know, I have a lot of writing on this, basically. And mm, right. um, 
So I was just, you know, there's things to weigh out. I've been in the business world for a long time as well. So, you know, I'm thinking, well, established publishing house, like where do I want to go? And, you know, I just knew that Zibby was going to help me make my book a success because that is how she approaches everything. She, she does is such yep. a hard worker. And so I have not been disappointed. Oh, well, congratulations. I mean, yes. you that's that's a lot of, we both know we're both writers and we both understand. I've had a proposal in the works for the past five years. So congratulations for actually <laughs> writing the book. I'm still working on the proposal. So yeah, that's, we bow to you and oh just, my gosh, well doing it, just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And Thank about you. once a month or so, no, I'm lying. Almost every episode, I ask a question that's kind of selfishly motivated. But I'm so curious about this book, like going and doing the unpaid internships. I have an idea for a novel that's about songwriting. And so I've thought, oh, I need to go hang out with some songwriters. How easy was it to get these unpaid internships? How easy was it to, or how hard was it to get Mm. people to say, come hang out with me and write about it? Like, did they know you were writing about it? Yeah. So first of all, I highly recommend doing it. I think you should get off this recording and then go email five songwriters and see if you can shadow them for a while because I'm all about internships now. I think for for people who can, you know, there's a lot of complications with unpaid internships. I did it as a very privileged person who had the opportunity to do it. So yes, um, yes. not to be glib about it, but um, it was harder than you would think. You know, I have a pretty impressive resume, like not to my own horn, but I've got a couple degrees. Well, you I have do. started yeah. a business. <laughs> I have started a fashion app. Yeah, I've done like a lot of stuff. And when I reached out to people cold, I mean, most people didn't even respond to me at all. They were just mm-hmm. like, what the hell is this? This person right. is insane. Um, <laughs> all of my internships ended up coming through connections or people that were already friends. And it took a lot of LinkedIn stalking, uh, figuring out who knew who. I mean, I really just, I started my spreadsheet and I just went down the list and was constantly contacting people all the time. I had not written a cover letter in 10 years. I hadn't written my, I hadn't updated my C, my resume in forever. Um, I do all of those things. I went online, like all resumes have pictures now and people like rate their skills. And I was like, well, I can't do that. Now, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that was resumes my are very different now. Yes. I was like, so I need a format that's not going to make me want to throw up. And <laughs> I just, and you know, I crafted a cover letter. I sent it to one of my really good friends, Joni. And she was like, this is really well written. And yet it does not explain why anybody should hire you to do this. Like, what is the point? <laughs> Um, but I was really unashamed to use my connections. And I think it, it going through people I knew or people that knew me and then could refer me on, you know, it meant there was like a level of trust. They knew I wasn't mm-hmm. taking advantage of them. You know, at the time when I started the project, the book was a really beautiful dream, that, but I had not written a line and I had never written anything. That's so awesome. I yeah. didn't think, you know, I, I shared with some people, oh, I, I basically said, I'm going to be journaling and taking notes and maybe I'll do something with it one day. But it seemed almost like the hubris of saying, like, I'm going to write a book about this. Just I like I couldn't even get myself to say it because it seemed so far fetched that I would even actually be able to accomplish it. Yeah. Um, but uh, now everybody knows. Thank goodness that it's actually <laughs> turned into a book. Um, but some people were really open. Uh, Harry Blaine, who I did one of my internships for, he's an art dealer based in London, uh, an old friend. And I, I'm actually still working for him uh, now on a number of special pro- special projects related Ooh. to contemporary art as a result of my internship. But he just from the very beginning, you know, occasionally he'd say, well, oh, this is off the record, but was just so open yeah. and generous and willing to kind of share. And I found that people were less afraid and more supportive 
than I had expected them to be. Okay. So I'd love to hear more about the range of internships you did and like, what were the ones Yes, kind of like your marine biology experience where it was like, Ooh, this is not what I, or no, I'm sorry. It was the uh, magazine uh, production yeah. where you were like, this is not what it was cracked up to be. Like which ones had the highest variance from expectation to reality and, oh my uh, gosh. and which one were you like, Oh, I should have been doing this my whole life. Like what, what was all of it? They were all so, so different. Um, and I had, so I had a long list. I started this project before the pandemic hit. And so my list was very long and it was like wild. I wanted to go work at Disney World. I still want to do that one. If anybody yeah. from Disney is listening, like I'm up for that internship anytime you want to call me. Um, I really wanted to do a marine biology internship. I thought that would have been amazing. I was mm -hmm. interested in art, always been interested in art. I was interested in food and hospitality. So I had a very kind of long list of things that I would have been willing to do and happy to do. And I had thought five seems like a good number. Like, let's see if I can do five. And I was two and a half weeks into my first internship, which was um, shadowing and kind of helping out two productions in New York, uh, one Broadway show and an off-Broadway show that were both about to open. And then the pandemic hit and I had to fly home and pack up the kids, pack up the car. Everything was terrifying. You know, everyone remembers it well. We all have like pandemic PTSD slash yep. still yes. in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to give up the project. So I changed tactics and I did a virtual internship for my second one, which was retro dance and fitness. And then I kind of squeezed in two more between the two UK lockdowns where we were really right. restricted to stay at home in art and in food and hospitality. And so I might have done more or different ones if I had more time. I still might do some. I emailed someone the other day who's like a casting director. I was like, I don't know about casting. Can I come and intern for you? And she was like, well, no, but thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> so I still haven't given up the internship life, but um, that's like a bit of a detour. Okay. So they were all surprising because I really did not know anything beyond surface and what I was getting into. Mm -hmm. um, some of the biggest parts. So I would say that I did not expect to be so terrible at working in a hotel and restaurant. Um, I was really bad at it. I almost <laughs> set myself on fire. Oh, I checked people into the wrong rooms. <laughs> I dropped so, so much food. I mean, so much food. It's really embarrassing to think back. Now I spilled an entire glass bottle of Coke on someone. Oh, uh, no. I'm just I'm like a naturally clumsy person. And I don't know <laughs> why I somehow thought that like holding a tray was going to make me really, really adept at walking and talking at the same time. But um, oh, did you they know, have you was... do like everything that's at a hotel? Did you I did? I like did a rotation check in. So you did, I did all a rotation. Of it. I did a week uh, in the restaurant. Um, this is a small boutique hotel on the Isle of Skye. I'm still doing some work for them. Actually, now they uh, they asked me to write the narrative text and some essays for a cookbook they have coming out this year. So much, much better at using me behind the desk and computer than ever letting me go back in the restaurant. Yeah, they're like, can you do this yeah. and not work the desk? Basically, basically, I've like yeah. offered several times. I'm like, well, if you're short staffed, I can always come back. And there's always been a really no, polite, you. polite <laughs> nod and smile. The way that, you know, British people are, they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely let you know. I'm like, you're never going to call, are you? <laughs> But yeah, so I did a rotation. So I worked at the restaurant and in the kitchen and then I did a uh, front of house. So checking people in and a bit of bartending and they had an outdoor seating area at the time. And so doing some serving there. And then I worked in the office and filing for a week. They were, they did not let me do housekeeping, even though I wanted to. I think they were too worried about what oh, I wouldn't be able to. I've done up. it. I did it for a whole summer. I can tell yeah, you, you if you need to fill in the blanks for the housekeeping. Yeah. Oh my gosh. A it's a hard job, isn't it? I know. It is and a hard very physical. job. 
Yeah. It's hard, it's hard enough at home cleaning up after my own children. So, uh-huh. <laughs> um, exactly. so that one was good. Um, so dance and fitness, I worked for uh, retro glow studios. It's a uh, London based, but now everywhere based in the way that virtual things have been able yeah. to do. They do these amazing kind of retro fun dance fitness classes, eighties, uh, hairband bar class or, uh, oh, butt yeah. burner Whitney versus Kylie or, I did one the other day that was like boy bands from the 2000s, which is my preferred genre of music. So, <laughs> um, you know, and uh, and it was awesome. I had always kind of like harbored a dream like, oh, maybe I'll train as a Zumba instructor one day or like teach yoga or do something like that. And I found that that was uh, similar to my Ocean Drive experience when I was interning at the magazine. It was it was um amazing but like not for me like it was, mm-hmm. there's a lot of performance involved but most of that job is running a business like I had been doing for years and years and years but it was a lifeline and that was that happened in the worst of the first lockdown and so in the midst of trying to homeschool my children trying to keep the company afloat dealing with all of the emotions that were happening around there I had these just beautiful hours where I would go and stand in front of my TV in leg warmers and a high ponytail and do a dance class or help Frankie, who's was some, who's the founder of Retroglow, help her test out the new video format that she was using. I was doing market research. So I did dozens of classes at other studios from places around the world. And I really think it saved me from going completely stir crazy during that period. So they were all just interesting and amazing and different. And um, I still feel like I have a Broadway theater itch to scratch at some point. Um, Probably, yeah. uh, So I hope that that's still going to be in my future. Oh my gosh, that's so fun. And really, I think, again, as I've got this daughter who's going to be going off to college, really stresses the importance and the value of internships and really finding out the reality of what a particular job involves and not just this, the assumptions that we have about the glamour behind it. Right. I always thought that I was going to be a like a news presenter, you know, like I wanted to be a journalist, but I wanted to be on TV, just hilarious in hindsight. But as a young person, that's what I thought. And I interned at a TV station and I spent an entire semester. I've spent all my time with camera people and on-air reporters. And I walked away from that semester and knew if I did any kind of journalism, it would be print. I was not (laughs) doing television journalism. It was not for me, and and really what I learned about journalism as a whole was that it's a super high stress environment mm. that I probably didn't have the chops for that. Like everybody mm. smoked. Most people drank a little too much. Everyone was just, I won't say what network, it's a network here in Austin, Texas, I will not <laughs> say, but those people were stressed out. And I was like, I don't want to yeah. live my life like that. Yeah. And it's good to learn that early. Yeah. So I learned true. it early and it changed the way I looked at my education. You know, I was not going to spend a bunch of time in college doing those classes. Okay. Well, your job that you currently have, well, I mean, you've got a lot of jobs and stuff going, but the one with IG advisors, that kind of seems like a dream job to me. So don't tell us the dark sides of it, but just (laughs) for people who are curious about, you talked a little bit earlier about what that involves, but what does that really look like on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. Um, so IG works with a whole range of different types of clients who come really for two reasons. So we work with charities and nonprofits who want to fundraise and grow and to help them figure out how to do that most effectively. And then we work with people on the or organizations on the donor side. So that's everybody from very wealthy people who would like to give away their personal money, people who run their own family foundation, maybe with their family, 
larger foundations like the Gates Foundations and companies who would like to do some good. Definitely on the corporate side, there's some branding benefits and um, business benefits that come along with doing social good. But really, they want to give, but they want to have an impact with what they're doing. And so they come to IG for advice on how to do that in the best way. It's a lot of PowerPoint decks, a lot of strategies, a lot of <laughs> troubleshooting and problem solving, and really about trying to help these different groups communicate with each other. I think nonprofits sometimes don't know what donors are really looking for or what they want. They can find it hard to fundraise. They'll try something and launch something. It won't work. They won't know why. It's an increasingly professional and really saturated market, frankly. You know, you mm. can't go on Facebook for more than 15 minutes without being served, you know, two dozen different stories of good causes that could use your money. So yeah. right. um, there's a real, uh, you know, there's a real need to figure out what it is that donors are looking for so you can connect with the right ones and you can raise money from them. And on the donor side, I think there's so many people and organizations out there who genuinely want to do good and who struggle with getting started. They might not know the right way to do it. They might have read something that says, oh, you should not pay a nonprofit CEO salary, which is bull, by the way. Um, but, uh, you know, they, well, exactly. You wouldn't uh, invest in a business and not pay the CEO a salary. So, you know, but or they might think, gosh, there are I'm so interested in climate change and there are 300 organizations that come up if I search climate change. Where can I have the most impact and how can I do the best work? And so a lot of it is about helping them communicate with each other, navigate the different questions that they have and giving money away and raising money is extremely personal. And it's really about people at the end of the day. So just helping people connect on that more human level but also trying to do the most good and address some of the big, big issues that we are facing in this world that could use some additional funds to help them be solved. That's amazing. Like, that's a great job. My past life was on can the I corporate come side, giving away <laughs> millions and millions can. of dollars. You can come intern. Well, oh, was it? I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I worked for Enron oh, way back wow. in the day. Yeah. That was my, that was really one of my favorite careers was community relations and giving away the money. Maybe not there, but um, it was great. It's great to go into nonprofits and give and try to figure out the giving strategy behind, you know, what the company was going to do. And, totally. Um, you know, make the most of those dollars. So I do find it fascinating. I can see myself going back into some, something like that someday. Mm -hmm. There are so many pieces of that world. And when I started out, it was like not even a job that I knew existed. And now you can yeah. do advanced degrees in philanthropy or sustainability yes. and all of these kinds of things. So it's a very, um, it's a very exciting, exciting place to work. You can do a lot of good. And I also think there's a lot of noise. And so it's a field that's crying out for smart interns to come in and <laughs> learn yeah. and get involved. <laughs> yeah. When I did it, there was the education part of it was like seminars and workshops and there was no degree in it. We were all just figuring it out. Yeah. Uh, and every company did it differently and every nonprofit did things differently. And so it was just a constant trying to figure out what, how we do this next. What's my the next first, thing? My first team in the early 2000s, it was a consulting firm based in New York that my friend from the bar worked at. And uh, not a single person on the team was over the age of 30. And mm -hmm. we were just, you know, we were managing multi-million dollar yep. budgets from fortune 500 companies yep. and their foundations and we were making it up as we went along and frankly <laughs> i think we did some of our best work then because yeah. 
we were creative and we weren't kind of hemmed in by what you should do or shouldn't do. And nope. it was a little bit of a wild west and it was really exciting. It was still one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could see that. Completely. Yeah. I think in, in the sliding doors world, maybe that's where I, I would have loved to have gone, but again, just Your this door idea can still slide. It's I not know. too late. It's not, not too closed. late. I know. We, it's we, not we, too late. Uh, uh, but I just, yeah. uh, for our audience, a lot of our listeners are stay at home moms who feel stuck in this, not knowing what they want to do next. And I just think this internship idea is such a fascinating way that with relatively low risk, I, I, like you said, it is kind of a privileged position to be able to either have the inroads there or the time and right. financial flexibility right. to be able to do something, especially if it's an unpaid internship, but compared to going into a career for 20 years and being on the wrong path, it is, you know, relatively a low risk proposition. So yeah. highly, highly recommend that for people. And we will be letting everybody know when the book is available, but in the meantime, your podcast is I'm dying to talk about the podcast. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's almost time for look, listen, learn. We're like, okay. And now we got two minutes left. Talk about your podcast. <laughs> no. <laughs> so the quit your day job podcast just launched. So tell us, tell us everything about it. Who are we going to be hearing about? What are we going to be learning about? Yeah, and I really want to know, did it come out of the book or like, how, where did it come from and where do you see it going? Okay. So I will say that until like six months ago, I had not listened to a single podcast except for Serial. Like I'm not, I've just, I've never been a podcast person. I had listened to maybe a smattering of Zibby's podcasts before speaking to her, like for prep, yeah. but um, I don't, I don't commute, like I don't drive anywhere. And so yeah. you know, I've been in cities. So I just, you know, I hadn't, my, my old office was a five minute walk from the house. So I just didn't have like time to just like sit and, you know, listen to something. So um, Zibby had approached some of the authors. She said, if you have an idea for a podcast, let us know. And I did think it would be amazing to continue off some of the conversations for the book. And the idea for Quit Your Day Job came because I have amazing friends and contacts doing the coolest, coolest jobs. And I love talking to them about what they do and hearing how they balance, you know, Almost everyone, if not everyone I've interviewed so far, is also a mom. So hearing how they balance what they do uh, with for their job with their family. A lot of my friends have done these major career pivots in the middle of their lives, and they have these really interesting stories to tell. And so I kind of wanted to go a little bit behind the curtain in the same way I did in my internships, but for a smaller period of time and a larger audience yeah. to really just talk about what it looks like really to do some of these jobs. And so um, my first episode, which dropped on the 1st of March, um, is with Katie Locke O'Brien. She is a TV director. She directs a number of NBC sitcoms. She and I went to college together. I mean, it, it is. And she, but she kind of started, she was an actress. She was writing. She started doing some of her own stuff. She had a baby. She was, you know, living in Los Angeles. And she, in the wake of Me Too, there were a lot of programs that were focused on finding women who were talented uh, and wanted to direct. And so she got mm -hmm. into this NBC training program. They helped launch her career as a TV uh, director, sitcom director. And now she just works this incredibly cool job where she gets to direct the entire original cast of Saved by the Bell in an episode, which was like, absolutely blew my mind oh, that she got so to do cool. that. Um, 
you know, and but but she is also balancing having a young child and working this job and she's done something different in her past and kind of moved here. And so a lot of the conversations are in that same vein there. I speak to Zibby, um, who's on, who works a kajillion jobs and, um, <laughs> you know, has an incredible perspective on that. I brought on my old business coach, who's a life coach, who's worked. Um, she helped set up Prince Harry's foundation back in 2009. She coaches CEOs and the royal family, but also young people at the beginning of their career journey. And that really just turned into like, please give us all free advice on how we switch our careers if we're interested <laughs> in doing that. Um, okay. Yeah. We're going to need, we're going to need to follow up there. That yeah, that's like Kedge her. Martin. She's a, she's a fantastic one. I spoke mm. to uh, another friend who uh, works at an art gallery. She appraises and researches old masters paintings and then they mm. sell them. Um, we've got Natalie Jordy who runs the hotel Peter and Paul in New Orleans and just a real range of people doing super cool jobs, talking about their lives and their jobs. And for me, it's amazing. I just get to talk to amazing people. I mean, I'm sure you guys find this on your podcast oh, as well. It's oh, yes. the most fun thing that I get to do in a week. Most um, fun. Yeah. And record it. So we really just kind of want to have these open conversations and start learning a little bit more about what these careers are like and hopefully give people some of that motivation if they're scared or they uh, are maybe considering a change or thinking about what they do next to just find out more and learn more. I think the alignment with our podcast, like if you're listening to mom and dot, 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 and you listen on a regular basis, you need to listen to quit your day job because I think there's going to be a lot of crossover interest there. That yes. I love talking to people about what they do and how they do it. Suzanne's a nuts and bolts girl. She wants to know exactly how you do it. <laughs> I do. I was listening to your old episodes and I, I just like, I was walking through Edinburgh with my dog and had you guys in my ear pause. And I just kept saying out loud, yes, Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And that's just what I did the entire time. I was listening to your episodes because so much of it resonates. And I feel like people are going through this. It's happening now. You know, I think so many people, but definitely so many women are having these same feelings, these drives. And it's the most amazing thing about being part of this new world of writing and sharing and podcasting because you find out that you're not alone and you get to hear that others are going through the same thing. So I love it. And I hope your listeners listen and I will certainly refer them onto your podcast as well. Oh, but yeah. I just, yeah, think- there's just so much out there for all of us, you know, there like there's is. so many things we can be doing in so much time, which is, I think what Suzanne and I love about this midlife place. It's like, we, yeah, there's and- still a career to be had and maybe Absolutely. multiple careers. And what I love about quit your day job is this, this idea that someone may not even know that that career is a career. Yeah. I mean, there's so much we don't even know that we don't know yes. about, oh, that's even an option. Like that's something yes. that I could do. I just think that's so exciting. So yeah, I'm hopeful that people will listen to some of those stories and just get that tummy flip like Missy does sometimes and be like, <laughs> oh, that maybe I will yeah. give that a try. That's for so. me, sometimes you hear it and you're like, oh, I didn't know it, but that lights me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I hope so too. And it would be great if someone listened besides my mom. So (laughs) (laughs) they're great listeners though. The moms. Hi mom. Yes. Oh my goodness. Oh, look what time it is. It's about look, listen, learn time. But before we go to that, where's the best place for listeners to find the podcast and just to find you follow your socials. So the best place to find me is on my Instagram and it's at Alicia F Miranda. 
um, or my website, which is aliciafmiranda.com. And that's A-L-I-S-H-A for those of you that are just listening and not looking. Um, and uh, all the links to podcasts will be available on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and anywhere where you regularly get podcasts. But I'll always have the most up-to-date stuff on my Instagram and my website. Awesome. Perfect. And if you haven't listened before, Look, Listen, Learn is where we all just share something we're reading, watching, maybe a new product we love that ranges from the really deep to the really superficial, whatever is <laughs> making you happy this week. And we often don't make our guests go first, but we know you know what's up. So if you'd like to go first. <laughs> no, you go first. You go okay. first. Okay, <laughs> Suzanne, you go first. I'll go first. Let's see. What am I? I am listening to Far From the Tree written by Robin Benway, which I had never even heard of before, but it was chosen for our, our book club. And so it was a unanimous choice, which doesn't happen very often. With no. our book club. Wow. So I was like, Ooh, but, Oh, but Missy, I don't know if you've heard of this one either, but I think you'd be particularly interested because it has to do with foster care and mm-hmm. adoption. But so it's these three biological siblings, they're teenagers and they've all been raised in for various reasons in three separate homes. Okay. Um, one of the siblings has just had her own baby at 16 and she's given that baby up for adoption and now wants to find her own biological mother. And then in the mm. process of that discovers the fact that she's got these two siblings she didn't know about and wow. they kind of meet up and it's just a really sweet, it, I really think I want to have my daughter read it. It's when I looked up the book after I'd already like bought it and stuff, it's like, oh, for grades, you know, 10 through 12. I was like, oh, okay. This oh, is all right. <laughs> is it fiction or nonfiction? It is fiction. It's fiction. fiction. Okay. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. But yeah, it's like when I read, uh, oh shoot, what was that? Oh no. The lady who she goes and she's on fire. It's the end of days. Uh, oh shoot. I don't think I've read it. Yes, you have. Hunger Games. It's when oh, I discovered she's on Hunger- fire. <laughs> she's on fire. <laughs> See, these are the parts that we edit out. <laughs> oh my God, no. You got to keep that in. I have read the Hunger Games, yes. Okay. The Hunger Games. Are you familiar with it? It's the girl, she's on fire. There's just, yeah, there's a song. She's on fire in uh, end of days. Oh my gosh. But no, oh my God, I did not read that book. When I discovered that that was actually a YA book instead of a right. grown-up book, and I was like, "What?" But yeah, I, I we should have grown up in a time when we had really high-quality YA books. We had like, like we had like so the good. Babysitters Club. Yeah, it went from like Super Fudge to Forever. Like those were our that was right. our <laughs> those it were our Sweet Valley High. Oh Lord! I read, oh my God! Oh, yeah, such so a guilty pleasure. I read Jessica all of them. and Elizabeth. I so wanted to be them, but yes. <sighs> Okay. So aside from that though, this is, it's, it is safe for YA. It is a, a, okay. um, But it's also just, they do talk about the sex because there is a baby. And so, and there's a little cursing. So depending on how you want to, our kids hear it all, which is going to be one of my next things, but, (laughs) um, but anyway, really, really good. Both Missy and I do volunteer work in the foster care related um, areas. So, but it was just very interesting to hear how different, your life can be based on factors outside of your control. Yep. Um, and then yep. also, you know, who you have access to and what type of resources you have financially and emotionally supportive parents, that type of thing. So yeah. very, very, very interesting to see how they all come together and how different that is. And they handle it. The author handles it really beautifully. I thought it was really well done. And my learn, or I don't, it's going to be your learn. I don't know. I'm just feeling very (laughs) ranty about 
my interview with the TV news station this morning because the reason I had to do it is because the Austin Public Health decided because there's such this gap of sex education in the high schools that they were going to offer it at the library. They were even going to like provide lunch. I don't know why it says like kids could earn up to a hundred dollars going there. So I think maybe they had prizes, wow. <laughs> like it was incentive to get kids involved and whatever. Right. When they first said that it was a paid sex ed, I thought people were paying to do it because I know quite a few people who want it so badly for their right. kids that they will pay for it. So when they it's like the right. kids are getting paid, really? Why? Because I know so many people who would pay for it. But anyway, the fact is it's got squashed. It was supposed to be a spring break program for these kids to have access to because, oh gosh, I think it's every, let me look up every 10 hours in Travis County where Austin is a teenager has a baby. Oh my God. And I bet a bunch of those babies are going to be conceived over spring break by kids. <laughs> I'm who sorry, I laughed. To go said, no, I mean, you right. do laugh because it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Right. And the same people who are fighting who got squashed from the spring break thing are the same people who are like, oh, we don't want it taught in our schools. This isn't being taught in their schools. It is something in the oh, library. Please. I mean, granted, it still should be taught in schools. I'm not mm. even going to let them yeah. have that argument. But it wasn't even going to be taught in the schools. It was going to be taught in the library. Parents had to sign off on it. It was authorized. They wanted this desperately for their kids. And now they don't have access to it because there are a few, just seriously, such a small fraction of people who are just so noisy and so feisty about it. And so I really just encourage anybody out there. I know parents don't have time. And sadly, a lot of the people who can be the squeaky people who are shutting down these things don't even have kids. They, that's why they have such an abundance of time and energy to go and just be, we don't want to have anybody know that there are gay kids in Austin. Like it's just anyway. So I just encourage people who are supporters because we are the vast majority, the survey that they did for AISD parents, 95% of the parents want to have sex ed in their schools. Please don't be so quiet about it bring it up at wine nights. I don't expect you to have to go on KXAN and talk about it because that was terrifying, but talk about it with your friends, talk about it with your kids, talk about it with the teachers, talk about it with your principals, support it because the people who don't support it are this little tiny group of people (laughs) and they are making decisions for your kids right now. So that is, that is my soapbox for the day. That is such a shame. Well, thank you for doing it. And thank you for going on the news. I know it's the most uncomfortable, awkward thing to be interviewed. Yeah, it was so gross. I can do <laughs> many podcasts in the world, but when someone puts yeah. me on the news, I'm like, words? I don't know words. <laughs> I can podcast all day long, but I, in my past life, I was interviewed on the regular for events and I, it's painful and awkward. And so, yeah, thank oh, you God. for doing it because oh. it's important. And I ranted really long. So Alicia, we're going to have you go next, just in case you have to jump off at the hour and then we'll have Missy go solo. Yeah. Just, it's, I just have 200 children here. Who cares about them? They can make their own oh, food. Yeah. They're fine. Um, okay. I, what I did is I struggled to even narrow this down because I just loved this prompt of like thinking of uh, looking, listening and learning. So um, looking, I just started watching Starstruck, which is a BBC show. I'm not okay. sure if it's available in the U.S., um, it's Ooh. by a New Zealand-based uh, comedian named Rose Matafeo. She's a young woman, and she has a one-night stand with a guy who turns out to be a really famous actor. And it's like a romantic comedy about their relationship that kind of ensues after that. And it is hilarious. I have been binging it and just 
laughing so hard because she's, you know, Kiwis have an amazing sense of humor. Yeah. She's so <laughs> funny. And it, but it's also very sweet and heartwarming. And I just feel like it's the antidote to the news and like everything else that's happening right now around me. Um, oh, I hope we can get it. Yes, yeah. I can't. I'll, I'll look, I'll do some digging and see if I can find out where it is. Cause you do sometimes get the BBC shows over there and it's been out yeah. for a little while. I'm late to the party. Um, listening to it, I was like so embarrassed. I'm still listening to Taylor Swift. It's just, <laughs> I, too. I'm There's still so happy. loving the re-release of Red. I play the 10 minute all too well, at least once a day. It's embarrassing how much I listen to it. My kids are always like, oh my God, mom, stop. <laughs> Stop with I'd the ask if it's been on, repeat on. We don't all talk day about long. Bruno. I'm like, no, we're not listening to Bruno. We're listening to Taylor Swift. So, um, so that was my listening to. And I then uh, learning, uh, I just finished this amazing book, which I could not recommend more highly. It's called Olga Dies Dreaming. It's by Sochil Gonzalez. And in the book, she goes deep into this amazing history of Puerto Rico and the Puerto Rican revolutionary movements, which I'm embarrassed to say is not something as a Latinx person who grew up in the U.S. I knew anything about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a novel. It's a beautiful novel about a brother and a sister who are from Brooklyn. And she's a high-end wedding planner. He is a congressman. And it uh, takes place in the lead up to Hurricane Maria. But she really imparts the history with such a light touch, you don't ever feel like you're being taught. And I love when a novel does that. I love when I learn something from a novel and it doesn't even feel like I was in a class or reading a nonfiction book. So um, Olga Dies Dreaming, I think it's in hardcover right now. It's just so, so good. So recommend that very highly. Oh, I'm so right, It's on the list. That sounds really good. Yes. I need a new one because I'm buzzing through my book so fast. So yes. I you really one. are. I don't know how you do it. Well, because I do the audiobooks and I've been training for a half marathon. I mean, I, I listen to Oh, that's half, so good. I listened to half that book during our half marathon. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah, that's true. Okay, Missy, what do you All got? Right. Is it my turn? All right. Well, I will explain my band-aids. That's my learn today. <laughs> so I went to the dermatologist for my annual skin check this morning before this recording and mostly passed my skin check, which is great with fair skin and this red hair every year. I'm waiting for them to be like, that's the one that's going to kill you. And so I mentioned though, that I feel like my hair is thinning a little bit. I just thought it was age. And I feel like I've mostly always had bangs. And I'm like, I feel like my bangs are just thinner than they used to be. And I'm thinking she's going to go, here's minoxidil or you know, Rogaine or whatever. And you're just almost 50 and off you go. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, she asked me some questions about my you know, family members and stuff. She's like, I think it could be this like hereditary alopecia, something or another. I'm sorry. I don't have the correct name. Oh, I'll wow. put it in the show notes. And the bad news is like, there's really no treatment for it, but they can kind of slow it down. But hmm. to find out if that's what it is, she had to biopsy it. So she punched a hole in my oh, head gosh. up here this morning. Um, I love I how like, they oh, just I... choose right in the front. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, does it have to be? She's like, I, I have to get here. it from this hair. Like she has to get it from here because it only affects like up here. Oh, oh wow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, great. So I'm really hoping that it's not that. I mean, if it is, it is. We'll just deal with it. But at some point, my hairline could come back to here. That's just great. Uh, and then I had this spot on my neck that I was like, I think it's just a blackhead. And um, I'm telling you guys this just because if you're going to get your skin checked, point out every little thing. 
Mm. She's like, it really could be, but also sometimes some cancers look like this. Oh my God. Like, great. Um, it always is the ones that you don't like the big giant brown ones. And they're like, oh no, those are fine. And then you're like, but I had this little tiny clear thing. And they're like, oh, Jesus, you know, get down here. So yeah, you just. It is good. Every time I think something is the one that is going to do me in, they always laugh at me and are like, that's, she calls them a gift of time, which I find really sweet instead of (laughs) saying an age spot. Yes. She's like, that's just a gift of time. That's nothing. That's nothing. And this, I just thought was like maybe a blackhead or maybe, I don't know, just something like I couldn't really get to it myself, but I didn't think it was anything. And she's like, it probably isn't anything, but I'm going to do it. So I left there and I'm like, you know, for my job, I'm on a camera. (laughs) Mostly people listen, but every once in a while people see. Of course, this is the week that we're recording like six interviews too. Oh God. Like, so all week I'm going to have different like headbands and hats and this will be the week to check out YouTubes because, and by the time all these air, it'll look like I had band-aids on my head for months. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Yeah. Like months from now, people will still be going, my God, what's wrong with her head? Um, no. So anyway, when you go point out all the things, get yes. the tests again, it's, is kind of a thing of privilege. I have insurance. I can get mm. these tests, but I, I'd sit there and I'm like, what's this, what's this, what's this go do it. And I usually am in there two or three times a year for other things that pop up in between. So I'm just advocating getting your skin checked and don't forget to mention the little things you think are nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe don't mention your thinning hair. (laughs) Don't even. Um, And my look is I'm reading the madness of crowds by Louise Penny. Have either of you read any of the Louise Penny? Uh -uh. So she writes a series um, about inspector Gamache and it's set in this tiny little village in Quebec and all the people are kind of quirky and there's been many of them. I think the first one was 2006 ish. And this is the latest in the series. And I used to read them and then pass them on to my grandmother and we'd talk about them. And so it's nostalgic oh. for me when new ones come out. Now I buy them and read them in honor of Nana. Oh. And, um, so this one was a slow start, I will say, but it's picked up. I'm not finished with it yet, but it picked up. And now I look forward to picking it up every day now. Ooh. Um, and I just, they're a great little, like the first one, if you start at the beginning, the first one's a slow burn. You're like, I don't know. But by the end, you want to be in this village and know these people and know what they're going to do next. She's, and do you she's have to start at the beginning or can you pick up in the middle? It helps to start at the beginning, I would mm-hmm. say, but you could, any of them, you could read and you'd figure out how these characters go together. And she does a good job of giving a little bit of the backstory in case right. you never had. And they're just, they're easy reads, but they're not stupid. Does that make sense? Oh, <laughs> um, that should be your Amazon She's a review. really delightful person, Louise Penny. I've heard her speak and I love her story. She was older when she wrote her first book. It took her a long time, which resonates with me. Love that. Because I'm a very slow writer. Her husband used to come home and check the top of the TV, she said, because she would she would watch Oprah all day long. <laughs> and then when she heard him coming home, she like, turn off the TV. Like, writing. <laughs> oh yeah. my God. Like, I connect with that so much. Do TVs even recently... work like that anymore? I don't even think they. No, I don't think they're like even that. hot anymore. Like this is a long time ago. Remember the front uh, of the TV used to kind of disappear and then yes, like, green kind of... for a while. Sparkle. Yes. <laughs> He'd come home so and checked, old. but uh, she also just wrote a, co-wrote a book with Hillary Clinton. That's a, like a thriller. What? Um, Yes. yes. That's why I had heard her name. I was trying yes, to figure so out. So I think it's it. called yeah. State of 
Terror. I have ordered it, but I haven't read it yet. Oh, wait. Um, I just saw that somewhere and I was like, that must be a different Hillary Clinton. <laughs> yeah, it is Hillary. Huh. They're friends. Now, I may be miss, I may not be telling this correctly, but I think so. I think that Bill and Hillary loved the Inspector Gamash books and then met awesome. Louise Penny and uh-huh. they became good friends. So, like, she hangs out with them a lot. Oh, and then well, I wrote a, a book seal together. of approval. Okay. Well, look at Hillary exploring all her ellipses. She's a mom right. and dot, dot, dot. Love it. We Love should it. get Hillary. <laughs> oh, yeah. She'll totally. Hillary. <laughs> She's next. You week. don't know. Why not? I don't know. We'll wait till you, you reach out to her, Suzanne. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell her to reach out. I know. You know what? That's the great part about a podcast. I am so, I continue to be shocked and delighted with the, all the people. Like, we're so thrilled that you're here today. It was just one yes. of those things where like, that doesn't hurt to ask. And then you get a yes. And you're like, I cannot believe it every week. Yeah. I'm like, I cannot believe we are so lucky to get to talk to these people. For so. real. We read about your new podcast. And we're like, we, that is someone we have to talk to. And yes. Oh my God. I'm so yeah. flattered. I, when I got your thing, I was like, what? Somebody wants to have their podcast. This is amazing. <laughs> oh yes. Oh no, that you are going to be a must listen. We are going to be yes. referring to you often. I'm sure it's one of those yes. things. Like, I mean, how many times do we talk about the mom Two conference? Like there's a few things that yeah. it feels like we are sponsored, like sponsor the show. Cause we talk about them so much, but I'm sure that every episode we listen to, we're going to be like, you need to go over to quit your day job and listen to this yes, story. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. yes. I can't everyone, wait. Can't everyone wait is welcome. Yes. I'm so, so excited for it to be in the world and just to, for people to hear the stories of my guests, cause they are yeah. so cool. Yes. Oh, cannot wait. And again, okay. So just in case anybody was driving when you said it last time, say the website again. So it's aliciafmiranda.com. Okay. All right. We'll put it in the show All the podcast stuff will be there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have everything in the show notes so everybody can find it. And we're so excited to listen to all the upcoming weeks. We are going to be official subscribers. Oh, this was so much fun. And like, I am also loving your podcast and I feel- Thank you. If my podcast is a huge failure, the fact that it opened up a whole world of podcasts to me, I will always be eternally grateful because it's been really, really cool to find um, other podcasts like this one to listen to. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. And it's not going to be a failure. You're going to knock it out of the park. It's a great topic. Oh yeah. We're going to- I'm a big family, so I'm at least going to have a few dozen, few dozen. There you go. They're required by a law. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, well, thank you again so much. And I appreciate you sticking though. We went a little over time as we are known uh, to yeah. do. It's so. our specialty. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> the children are probably feral downstairs. So I... <laughs> oh, same with my dogs. We better go rescue them. Uh, all right. Thank you. All so right. Much. Thank you guys. That was nice so fun. Thank, thank you. you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show today. And if you know someone else who could benefit from today's episode, be sure to share it with them. Also, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in the show notes over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, you can find us at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. You can find links to the group, all of our socials, and our questions and comments section over at our website, momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you so much. Now go out there and make your ellipses count.